0: If it was a crime to tell other people about Jesus, would you be guilty? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? That theoretical question has been asked many times in the Western Church. It's even been the subject of popular songs. But when John Short found himself detained by officials in North Korea, the question was very real. He looks back and remembers what his interrogators said.
1: You committed the crime of carrying Bible literature into China. And I said, yes, I, uh, I admit this is a crime against their law. Your second crime is that you want more and more North Koreans to believe in Jesus. I said, yes, I'm guilty. Jesus never promised His followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. This is Todd Nettleton, and uh, we are on the road this week for Voice of the Martyrs Radio. There are not many people that you can talk to in the world uh, who have been detained in North Korea and came out to tell the story. And we have one of those people. uh, I'm with Mr. John Short. He is an Australian gospel worker. Uh, He was detained in 2013 in North Korea, eventually was released. And and we're going to talk a little bit about that, about his story uh, and about what God is doing in North Korea what God did through this situation. And so, John, it's an incredible blessing to be with you today on VOM Radio.
1: It's a pleasure to uh, be here, having many years of association with VOM workers from Australia and also from the United States.
0: I know, John, that on this time when you were detained in North Korea, this was your second visit. So you'd been there once before. What did you do on that first visit and uh, What was kind of the purpose of you going to North Korea?
1: On the first occasion, we joined a group from Dandong. We traveled in with 20 others, all Chinese speakers. And the intention was because we had produced into Korean, uh, does it matter what I believe? And we were anxious to carry it in and to see the possibilities of where we could leave it and where we could uh, distribute among the North Koreans. Our objective was to really to test the waters, uh, and that we did. Uh, Of course, through the day, we were minded continually and that if on any occasion we drew near to locals, we were immediately uh, shunted away from personal contact.
0: And so then you went back. Talk about the morning when you went to the Buddhist temple. The morning eventually that you would be questioned and then subsequently detained. What what happened that led up to
1: that? We were taken on a, a car trip to the top of a mountain, and on this mountaintop is a Buddhist temple. So we arrived at the Buddhist temple to the dismay of our minders. Someone had. The previous night, broken in to the temple, had broken the door, had gone in and ransacked the cupboards, but had also, in disapproval, had turned the Buddha from his pedestal down onto onto its face. So, this was a moment of great embarrassment. But I still offered a donation for repair of the door to the keeper, but the minders, uh, our minders felt that this was not appropriate, and so we were shunted away from there. I immediately, with my helper, my Chinese helper, separated myself from them and went down the side of the hill distributing my Bible tracts, leaving them where I could. Subsequently, these were discovered. Everyone's movement is noted, and so it was deduced that it must have been me that had left these Bible tracts there. So that evening they came to the hotel to investigate us.
0: What kind of things were they asking? What, what, was, what were they bothered about?
1: So the, the largest annoyance was that I had carried in this literature, firstly, which I freely admitted, was a crime against their law, but not a sin against my God, for it is my life work as a Christian, as, as we all well know, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence for a conviction? We believe that this is what we should do. So they that evening, visited the room uh, and said to myself and to my China coworker, why did you do this? How did you do this? Where did you get the literature? I said, I printed it myself. Here is a copy, and thankfully, I had a copy in English, I had one in Chinese on me and they could see, I think I may have had a, one in Vietnamese as well, they could see that it was not only translated into, into Korean, it was in these multi-languages. Then their problem was, who translated it for you? Who is this Korean that has enabled you to have your written statement of what you believe presented into the Korean language?
0: So at that point, they just came to your hotel room, they're asking questions. Did you think, you know, they're gonna ask me a few questions and then they're, I'm gonna be put on a plane and sent out of here? Or did you think, uh-oh, this is, this is really bad news?
1: Uh, they made a condition that night. If I would divulge my contact, my friend, a Korean in Hong Kong, my residential situation, if I were prepared to divulge the name of this Korean, there would be no problem. I would be let go. But they also gave me a warning that if the name was not revealed, we would not be released next day. So I decided that I could release the name of the, the dear brother who had helped me because I did not know his full Korean name. I only knew him as Paul Beck. And uh, this troubled them, and yet it was enough to give his assurance that there is no problem, you will be able to leave tomorrow morning, uh, seven o'clock, you check out of the hotel, and nine o'clock is the one flight out out of Pyongyang.
0: And so then the next morning, you pack your bag, you're ready to go, and then what happens?
1: We were packed, ready to go, seated in the the, the car down below at the uh, hotel door, and then suddenly the uh, public security descended upon us and said, you cannot leave. So we were taken inside, and you must realize that on entrance into Pyongyang. Your passport and your telephones are taken away. They still had not given the passport for us to carry to the airport.
0: Now you have been involved in gospel work and in carrying literature into closed countries for a long time, (laughs) 50 years. At some point along the way, you've had to make peace with the idea that things could go south on one of these trips. Talk about when you did that how you prepared yourself mentally and spiritually, how did that all come into play in your mind?
1: Upon release from 21 years and nine months imprisonment in the north of China in Heilongjiang, my own personal hero, brother Alan Yun, encouraged us to accept the three essential principles, should we be called, to suffer persecution for Christ. And that is, number one, do not fear them. You belong to Christ. God is on the throne. Respect God, fear God. Number two, do not believe them. For you know that the basis of the unbelieving communist is they do not believe God. So they believed a lie. You don't believe any entreaty, any promise that they make to you. Do not fear them, do not believe them. And finally, do not think that by receiving anything from them, you're going to escape. You don't want anything from them. All that you'll ever need will come from the hand of your God and your Father. So prepare yourself in this way. So
0: when they came out to the car and said, okay, Mr. Short, you're not leaving, come back in the hotel. Did some of those things come back into your mind, and even your relationship with Alan Yoon and, and others in China who have spent decades in prison, what what was kind of going through your mind when they said, okay, get out of the car and come back in with us?
1: Yes. One immediately rethinks the, the pathway that we've chosen and questions that, am I being cavalier? Am I being careless? Or is this... the the true path of a believer, uh, a witness for Christ. And I must admit that from that moment, right through, even through the very arduous investigations and eventually at their court level under the two uh, disarming photos of their two previous leaders, I can tell you that a chorus that I'd been taught many years before 30 years before, by Alan Yoon. Never fear, he is near. You'll be safe all the way to heaven's home. And the scripture in Hebrews remained with me daily. That is that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Therefore, there is no need to fear what man will do to you. Amazingly, when you're detained, when you're imprisoned, you're very conscious that prayer is all around you we, we cannot see the angelic help but you are certainly being uh protected and uh, supported by prayer and angelic present with you so they take you back into
0: the hotel you're now they're asking more questions uh, and in fact, for days, <laughs> they asked questions. Was it more the same? Who translated this? What's going on? Or, or kind of how did their questioning progress over the time that you were there?
1: I was taken from the initial hotel that we stayed in from the first interview to another locality for the system in North Korea is that the hotels are totally run by the government. In those hotels, they also have, in the back sections of them, they have uh, detention areas. Immediately, I was put under 24-7 guards. Two guards were with me every moment of the day. The shifts would change at the most awkward hours, always at two in the morning. Food was offered to me, which I ate for the first three days. Quite good food if you like kimchi and and small uh, catfish uh, and so forth but hours in the morning 3 4 hours investigation in the morning and again uh, after lunch another 3 or 4 hours in the in the afternoon thankfully nothing at night the investigations were always conducted by the same gentleman he was simply called the investigator i was tutored how to stand and to bow to him on his entrance into the room, which of course as Christians we know we should show full deference to those that are in authority. The initial interviews were very harsh. The Korean language can be very strident, very harsh. But then his appointed interpreter was inadequate and so they then appointed a second interpreter who was uh, who had studied in America and was quite uh, quite excellent at, at his work. One particularly odious and difficult issue was in a previous statement I had declared and divulged that at the age of 24 I had boarded a ship and come to the only open port on the edge of China, Hong Kong, and that I'd been there for all those years, uh, and that is my life's work, uh, witnessing for Christ in, in China. I felt of God called to this ministry. 24 years of age I came, so I was given a sheet of paper that I should declare and make a statement for every year, for 24 years, what had I done, where was I for each of those years? Now, uh, dear friend, listening today, can you you divulge what you did every year for the first 20 odd years of your life? It was extremely uh, difficult because one knows one must not lie to a communist because one lie will unravel the whole situation. So it was a very painful exercise.
0: So they, at least in that particular session, they were more interested in your early life in Australia than they were in what you do in Hong Kong, in, which is gospel work into restricted nations. And
1: I could see no rhyme nor reason for this until I discovered that their agents in, Amer- in uh, Australia checked on whether the address i had given my son resident in my home city whether that was true. So they then would check on all that I'd said. Was it the truth? These details of my life that normally we would think, who would know what I do in one of the smaller cities of Australia, South Australia, Adelaide?
0: So you were 73 at the time. They're going back almost 50 years and checking on... I, I, you know, I think that's mind boggling to us that the reach of the North Koreans, the fact that they had somebody there to go to your son's house and ask is, you know, are you John Short's son? Do you live here? What's going on? Talk a little bit about how they then reported back to you. Yeah, we checked and, and you were telling the truth. Uh,
1: so I was quite astounded that having divulged to them that our ministry is supported by donations. We do not merchandise in the literature that has been freely prepared, sponsored by others for China, for Burma, for Vietnam, for for Korea. I said to them that if you were to visit one of our warehouses, our major warehouse in uh, in the new territories of Hong Kong, you'd walk in the door and you would see a box that says "Donation, Free Will Offering to Support." the literature ministry the very next day they said to me we have investigated your statement and you've told the truth
0: so within 24 hours they had somebody in your office in hong kong looking at your donation
1: box i discovered when my wife came to fetch me eventually from beijing she said to me she remembered That uh, particular day previously, uh, a Korean-American lady working for South China Morning Post had come in very intrusively and had asked uh, a lot of questions, but had been shown that we uh, do not have headquarters in America, headquarters in Australia, headquarters in Germany, but that we are dependent upon these donations only.
0: So in the course of these questions, was there threats? Was there promises? Was there if, if you'll tell us the truth, we'll let you go? Or was it, hey, you're going to be here for years, we can lock you away and nobody will ever hear from you
1: again? One request I had made of them, only one. May I make a phone call to my wife to tell her that I am well, this was This was denied me. So the only request that I ever made was, please, may I make a phone call? This was used as the threat to us, to me, that, Mr Short, if you'll cooperate, you will be able to join your wife. I'm sure that you want to see your wife again. And this was repeated again and again. With the innuendo you surely want to see her, don't you? That eventually I felt the need to say to them, well, because you won't make, you will not permit me to make the phone call, then I won't ask it again because my wife knows that I love her. I know that she loves me and if I never see her again, I'm still quite content with that. That seemed to annoy them even further. I decided when I realized they were denying any link to my loved ones outside that i was totally at their mercy the lord then revealed to me the one avenue left to me was that i decide to fast fasting is not a problem to us my wife and i practice it Uh, throughout the year at uh, any point of crisis we believe that give ourselves to prayer and to fasting. So from the occasion that they denied me any link I decided that I no longer had an appetite for food. This subsequent action unnerved them to me. I then received probably the best medical attention that foreigners were receiving. Doctors attended, nurses attended me, checked my blood pressure, uh, checked whether I had sugar diabetes or any other any other uh, uh, health problem. And as each day went by, three days, five days, seven days, 10 days, others would come and ask the minders, could they come and see could they look in and see the strange foreigner who has fasted for so many days and has not fainted
0: it seems like they were worried about your health because they didn't want anything to go wrong with you because then they'd really have a problem so how did they how did they respond to that what did they say
1: through the interpreter who was the middleman for the investigator different relays of messages were passed on to me and that was that if I will cooperate with this, if I will tell more of what I feel of the um, the, the current political situation uh, in North Korea, to which on each occasion I said to them I have no political interest, I'm interested in the gospel. But of course as soon as I would say my work is God's work, oh, don't mention God, this was not to be brought into the conversation. So the issue of uh, not eating uh, really troubled them because they found that I had some power that they did not have over over me.
0: One of the blessings of this was that they allowed you to keep your Bible. Uh, Talk a little bit about what that meant to you and, and how your times in God's word were different being detained than maybe they are on a normal day. Yeah,
1: on each occasion, of entry into North Korea, I make a point of putting my Bible on the top, my personal Bible on the top of my possessions before each entrance, uh, our possessions are investigated. The North Korean says, what's that? And I say, that's a Bible, that's my Bible. You can't take that into North Korea. I say, well then, if I can't take that in, I don't go in. Then you'll have to cancel my, my visit because I'm a Christian. I read my Bible every day, I need this with me because then they'll call in others and they have a little debate about it and then they say, but we shouldn't let you carry it. I said, well, I need it. I have to have it. I feel it's a testimony to them in this. Then they will say, now it will be recorded, you must bring this out again. You, I said, well, it's an English Bible. I don't think Koreans would in, enjoy it as much as I do. It's my Bible. I give you my word. I will bring it out a, a, again. For that reason, I thank God, by taking that step, I was then able to keep it in my possession, even when detained for for the entire time.
0: What was your schedule like with the Bible? I mean, you had interrogations morning and afternoon. What were you doing the rest of the day to kind of feed yourself spiritually going through this time?
1: Yes, thankfully, uh, all those occasions where I wanted to have more time to read the Word of God were suddenly granted to me. I could read uh, Romans and John's Gospel and entire books of the Word of God, just read and read and read for my life, for my spiritual life.
0: Were there any passages that uh, maybe took on a new meaning while you're being detained.
1: Yes, I must admit that reading through the Psalms, just reading them right through, tremendous comfort in the reading of the the tribulation Psalms.
0: It's interesting that you say that because I'm my understanding is Sabina Wormbrand had basically memorized. The book of psalms in in the course of her life and would say the same thing when she was in prison the psalms were what really fed her spirit
1: on one occasion the uh the second interpreter said to me you do realize don't you that your crime is punishable with a minimum of three years I said, well, I've counted up, and I'm now 70, and that will mean, well, I'll be nearly 80 by the time I come out. Oh, that's, that's bearable. Um, so he told me that they have come to the conclusion that you have three crimes. Uh, one is you committed the crime of carrying Bible literature into China. And I said, yes, I, I admit this is a crime against their law. Number two, that your second crime is that you want more and more North Koreans to believe in Jesus. I said, yes, guilty. Third crime, you chose to give out those uh, Bible tracts near a Buddhist temple, no, in a Buddhist temple, which I always told them was not in, was outside. But you chose to do it, worst of all, on the birthday of the previous Kim, Kim Il-jong, and you virtually slashed him in the, in the face. You smacked his face to do, and it was a, a political uh, bash at, at our leader. And I said, not guilty. I would not, I would not acknowledge that this had been done on his birthday with, with intent to insult. There was no political motive at all. Did you know it, it, that it even was his birthday, or was that news to you? It was news to me, but we did know that festivities were being carried on. But to me, uh, the birthday of Kim Il-sung was irrelevant to me.
0: What were the others? You talked about Alan Yoon, but I know you've met many of the great saints of the Chinese church. Were there other stories of theirs that you thought about during your time in North Korea that, that kind of encouraged you and, and fed you?
1: Yes, I um, often thought of uh, not only those that have been arrested for their faith, not only my particular hero, Alan Yoon, but Wong Bing Dao, Samuel Lam in the south, others who have suffered whether Bonhoeffer in Germany or the VOM Richard Wormann. Richard We thought of all of these, but they in their turn not only were imprisoned, not only suffered, but were tortured. And these things strengthen your heart and prepare you for whatever lies ahead.
0: That's John Short telling us the riveting story of being detained for distributing gospel tracts inside the nation of North Korea. We recorded that interview on the road to air here on The Voice of the Martyrs radio network. You know, John's been telling us the stories of persecuted believers and how those stories helped to prepare him for the time when he would face opposition. And those kind of stories can do the same thing for you. Here at The Voice of the Martyrs, we've compiled stories of people who faithfully stood for Christ in the face of persecution from Islamic extremists. You can read those stories in a brand new book called I Am In. To get more detail, visit our website, vomradio.net. Today we've had to cut into the middle of John's story, and we're going to hear the rest of the story next week. I know you want to be back with us and be encouraged by how God was faithful to him. And then the following week, we're going to hear the other side of the story. We're going to hear from John's wife, Karen. And she's going to tell us what it was like to find out that her husband had been detained by the North Korean officials. I hope that you'll be back next week to join us here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.